I'm Jennifer Delacuadri, and this is the Raising Happy Teens podcast, where you learn how to successfully guide your teenager into adulthood without losing your sanity in the process. Let's do this. Welcome back to the podcast. As you well know, if you are listening to this as it is being released, and that is Thanksgiving week, we are now in the midst of the holiday season. And with it comes a lot of things, a lot of really great things, good family time, bonding, good experiences, but also a lot of other things. And that is why I am recording this podcast. So it's a tool that you can have in your back pocket, not just for the holidays, but any time of year. I'm going to be teaching you about how to have a difficult conversation. And I thought I would share this with you. It's something I didn't actually learn until I was in my 40s, which to me makes zero sense because the difficult conversations are usually the ones that will do everything to improve relationships or improve your well-being as a person. Because when you're able to really bring up the things that are a little bit uncomfortable to talk about in a way that won't disrupt the relationship, then it can be really impactful and a really good thing for both parties involved. And I know that if you're anything like I used to be, I would avoid difficult conversations at any cost. I just couldn't handle the awkwardness. If there was something that needed to be said, I just kind of walked the other way. I tended to avoid conflict in any way. But the way I'm going to be teaching you difficult conversations actually doesn't involve conflict and it's really productive and it's really simple. And the point is that you're getting your point across without hurting someone else's feelings and you're also able to set boundaries, which is so important, especially when you're getting together with your family. And the truth is, once I learned that there is a way to say things that you need to say in a really positive and productive way, the difficult conversations for me became a lot less of an issue. So this information that I'll be sharing with you in this episode is for you, but it's also for your teen. It can be a conversation that you need to have with your teen, but I recommend that the sooner you both learn this, the sooner you can implement that into your life. Know that even though conversations that are awkward or difficult, are not easy. They can really strengthen your relationships and give you a sense of control over your circumstances. So I'll be starting off by sharing the three different types of difficult conversations, and then I'll tell you how to prepare for a conversation, followed by a simple four-step process that you can follow. And then I'll also share some words and phrases that you'll really want to avoid when having these conversations. So let's dive in. The three types of difficult conversations is the first one, the what happened conversation. So this conversation revolves around a disagreement over what happened, what should happen, or who is to blame for what happened. The second type of conversation is what's known as the feelings conversation. And as the name suggests, it involves emotions, whether it's fear, sadness, anger, frustration. You're discussing how you feel about something, whether it's something someone said or did. And then the third one is what's known as an identity conversation. So this is when we feel like saying something would be against our character. 
So let's say you identify as a friendly and easygoing person, but your neighbor keeps putting their trash can in front of your house. And you worry that saying something to your neighbor will make you seem difficult or aggressive. And that challenges your identity. So when you're going to have these difficult conversations or awkward conversations, there are ways to help prepare yourself so that you don't feel like you're going in without some type of um, backpack, I guess. <laughs> A backpack of tools and really an intention for the whole point of the conversation. So what can be really helpful here is to ask yourself a few questions. Questions like, what's the purpose of having this conversation? What would you like to accomplish? And what would be an ideal outcome? Just knowing those things can really keep the purpose of the conversation intentional and not personal. And also it gives you a chance to evaluate is this something that really is important to me and matters to me enough to say something about? Some other questions that you could ask yourself are, what assumptions might you be making about the situation? So you may be feeling disrespected or ignored, but just be aware that you could be assuming that it was the other person's intent to make you feel that way. So ask yourself, what else might be going on here? And this gives you a chance to evaluate the scenario from a different perspective. And then some other questions are, what buttons of yours are being pushed? So we all have a personal history. And when someone says something that can trigger something that was high emotion in the past or reminds us of something negative, we can feel off kilter in a snap moment. So recognizing what your buttons are, maybe where they're from, what they're causing from, can give you a chance to just kind of look at it through a different lens. And knowing that you can be triggered by something because it sparks this memory can really help you realize, hey, is this something that this person meant to do? Or is this more of something that I need to work on for myself? So once you have real clarity on what it is that you want to talk about, and the purpose of having the conversation and really your intention for the ideal outcome, there are four steps you can take to get yourself into a conversation that's productive and doesn't turn into an argument. The first step is really, I would say, the most important one, and that's to center yourself. Make sure you're calm when you enter this conversation so that you can stay curious and unattached to the outcome, unattached to the response that you're hoping to get. And this could involve something like taking a few deep breaths, maybe going for a walk or closing your eyes and doing a short meditation, whatever works for you to help you feel more grounded and centered and calm so that you're not entering the conversation with a high emotional state. That's step one. Step two then is to invite. And what that means is to ask the other person if they have a moment to talk about something. And this is so important because then you're not just barging in and unloading on them and catching them off guard. And this really sets the tone for the conversation, the tone of mutual respect. I'm asking you if you have a moment to talk instead of just imposing myself in on your environment and 
unleashing all of this frustration or these feelings that I'm having without asking you if it's really a good time. So that's the second step. The third step is to stick with the facts. So keep your assumptions about their intentions in check. State the facts as you see them and really give the other person a chance to do the same. And when they're sharing, don't interrupt. Really listen. Acknowledge what you're hearing by saying something like, I hear what you're saying. And really try to learn as much as you can in this phase of the conversation. So you have preconceived notions, they have preconceived notions, both need to be respected despite how you're feeling. So when you're listening, again, listen to hear, not to respond. Listen from a place of curiosity, as though if you were an outsider looking in, how would you think about this situation? What would you be thinking? How would you be feeling about it when you hear what they're saying? Let both people have equal opportunity to talk about how they're thinking and feeling about what's going on. That's step three. And step four is to problem solve. So at this point in the conversation, you've both had a chance to share and your feelings and thoughts have been heard. Now you're ready to begin building solutions. So again, stay curious here. Be unattached to the outcome. Ask the other person what they think might work and then build upon what they say. Of course, building upon it doesn't involve, no, I think this. It, it would involve more like, I hear what you're saying, and I think this would be helpful as well, adding on to it in a productive way. And also let the other person speak first, because when you do so, what you're doing is really creating a container of equality. If you're able to remain calm and centered and curious, you should be able to come up with a solution together that works for both of you. So those are the four steps. Now what I'm going to do is give you an example of how this could play out in a conversation with your teenager. So here's the scenario. You've told your teen a thousand times to clean their room, and every time you look in there, it's a mess. <laughs> and to top it off, your teen is laying on their bed watching TikToks. So you feel frustrated, you feel disrespected, and you think they aren't listening to what you are saying, and they're just being lazy. So here's how the conversation would go. Step one, center yourself. Next, ask your teen if they have a minute to talk about something. Then step three, stick with the facts. So in this situation, it would be something like, I asked you two times yesterday to clean your room and I see that it's still messy. What's going on? So there's curiosity there. Let them speak and then acknowledge what they say. Oh, I got distracted or I've been really tired or I've been studying on my test. Whatever they say, you do your best not to judge them. You say something like, I hear what you're saying. Now you share your thoughts. When, you, when I ask you to clean your room and I see that it's still not clean, I feel frustrated and disrespected. It's really important to me to have a clean house and it's also important to me to feel heard when I make a request of you. Notice how when I say, I feel frustrated when this happens, instead of you frustrate me or you're disrespecting me, there's a very subtle difference, but it's a huge difference. Own your feelings, don't place the blame. Once the talking part is over, then you can start working on a solution by asking what may be a possible solution here. Let them talk again. 
and share your thoughts. The key is really to remain calm and unattached. So now, here are a few things that you would want to avoid saying and what to say instead. There's three of them. One is, don't tell the other person what they should do. This automatically will make them feel judged and they'll probably get on the defensive. So like in this example of your teen, you should keep your room clean because then you'll be able to find things better, right? Keep it, the word should out of it. Instead say something like, you might consider, or have you thought of? You might wanna consider finding a time every week to just spend cleaning your room, 10 minutes, right? Instead of should. The second one to avoid is don't blame someone else for your feelings. And you may be feeling upset because of an interaction you had with them, but you are still completely responsible for how you feel at all times. Instead of saying something like, you make me feel disrespected, you would wanna say, when you don't clean your room, I feel disrespected. It's taking ownership of how you feel. And the third thing to avoid saying is anything that would be labeling the other person's action. So for example, when your teen isn't cleaning their room, don't say something like they're being lazy or they're irresponsible because they'll automatically, again, get in the defensive. Say something like, instead, having a messy room can add to your level of stress. I know you've been really stressed out lately. And when your room is messy, you might not be able to find things you need. Right? So you're not labeling them as being messy. You're not making assumptions about why it is or isn't happening. You're more giving them options or pointing things out that could very well be true and also could be very helpful to them in the long run. So try this out. It's not something that you will necessarily need on a daily basis, although depending on your team, you might need it pretty often. <laughs> But this episode is one that you're going to want to save and listen to again and again when you know you're going to have to have a difficult conversation. And also share it with your teenager. This skill of productive conversation and problem solving is really an essential life skill. And the sooner you learn it, the better. Really, the art of conversation is something I teach my teen clients all over the world. It's really an essential part of the core skills they acquire when we coach together. And it really adds to their overall level of confidence and self-esteem. So if your team could use a little support with this, your next step would be to schedule a free consultation call with me. And on this call, we'll talk about your teen, what you see happening, what you'd like for them. I'll share my thoughts and what it's like to work together to support your teen. I'll answer your questions and help you determine whether coaching is a good fit for you. Click the link in the show notes to schedule your consultation today, and we can get started. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. If you liked this episode, I want to invite you to follow me on Instagram at jennifer.delaquadri, where you'll find more tips, inspiration, and connection to help you navigate this unique and sometimes challenging season of parenthood. I'll see you there.